This is the Get Out of Here Baldy Podcast, episode 45, June 13th, 2023. This week's Baldy of the Week is Herodotus, a Greek historian and geographer from the city of Halicamassus, who lived from 484 to 425 BC. National Day celebration on June 13th is National Sewing Machine Day. We talk about how important this invention was to humans. This day in history, June 13th, 1920, the U.S. Post Office says children cannot be sent by parcel post. We talk a little bit about Pastor Ben's message last Sunday at Wyatt Park Christian Church on identity crisis. Now, friends, thanks for joining us. Now let's go get this bread. They're Ben and Aaron, and they love sharing about their love for Jesus and food covered in cheeses. Weird news, history, sports regaled from a generation raised playing Oregon Trail. National celebrations almost every day. There's only one thing I have to say. Don't you point or stare at their lack of hair. Yes, they're follically challenged, so sing along with the biblical Baldy Ballad. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean, Come and take a listen to your two bald kings. What's up, baldy buddies, and welcome to another episode of the Get Out of Here Baldy Podcast. This is episode 45. I'm your host, Aaron Michaud, and I'm joined by, as always, Pastor Ben Hitsfield, who is wearing proudly. Very very proudly. proudly. Oh, yeah. A Royals baseball t-shirt. I'm watching every game, every pitch. It's it's rough to be a baseball fan in Missouri. We talked about this. Yeah. My Cardinals made this like little resurgence. Okay. And then they just got your hopes started up. Started tanking. Yeah. Them. No, the the They're Royals the in the past, you know, they might have done a little bit of a like a May uh or even kind of early June right before the All-Star break, like if we keep this momentum, we could make a run, you know, but that's just not happening yeah. this year. False hopes. And that's okay. So we got the St. Joe Mustangs. Oh, there you go. I think they're doing okay. I mean, they've won the last like three or four Mink League championships. Nice. So I'm all in on the St. Joe Mustangs. There you go. Somebody to root for. That's right. All right. We got a Baldy of the Week. I don't even know why I chose this one, but I did. It's kind of random how I locate these guys. But this is works. Herodotus. Herodotus. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, I like it. He was a Greek historian. Well, so first of all, he lived about 484 to 425 BC. So this is an old baldy. Before, G- before Christ. Yeah. He was a Greek historian and ge- uh, geographer from the Greek city of Halicarnassus, hmm. part of the Persian Empire, now in Bodrum, Turkey, hmm. and later a citizen of Thury in modern uh, Calabria, which is in Italy. He is known for having written The Histories, a detailed account of the Greco-Persian Wars. Um, He was the first writer to perform systematic investigation of historical events 
and he is referred to as the father of history, a title conferred on him by the ancient Roman orator Cicero. Mm. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. It's quite, quite a title. Absolutely. Anyway, the histories, if you're reading it, uh, covers the lives of prominent <coughs> kings and famous battles such as Marathon, Thermopylae, um, you know, a lot of the movies that mm-hmm. we watch right mm-hmm. um, His work deviates uh, from the main topics to provide a cultural, uh, ethnographical, geographical, his- historiographical background that forms kind of an essential part of the narrative and provides readers with a wellspring of information about culture of the day. Mm. Um, he's been criticized, however, for his inclusion of legends and fanciful, fanciful accounts in his work. Mm. Um, another historian, Thucydides, Thu, uh, how would I do that? I don't know that guy. Yeah. He's not as famous. That's probably why he accused him, anyway, of making up stories for entertainment. Um, Herodotus explained, however, that he reported what he could see and was told and a sizable portion of the histories has since been confirmed by modern historians and archaeologists. Mm. So I was thinking, if he's he's kind of the first historical writer (laughs) um, thought to perform a systematic investigation of historical events, what does that say kind of how humans have thought about the recording of history um, before then, but even uh, even today? Yeah. It was was less about having all of the details exact mm. like dates times number of casualties and it was more about like the overarching story or the truth like the that, significance behind it yeah yeah that that was being conveyed by these historical events mm. and so and real and that makes sense because back then you didn't have people who who could write you know, you had to, if you wanted to write something down, you had to have a scribe and you had to have some sort of paper, which was expensive, and ink, which was mm-hmm. expensive. And look at us, living with paper, we're just throwing out all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> we got pens and pencils galore, you know. But yeah, so so back then, I mean, the telling of, of history was, was, was oral. Mm. It was very much oral. And so... Like any other, like you play the telephone game, you know, in school or youth group, you know, lock-ins. And I don't know if you play the telephone. I think <laughs> you we have done that. Actually. <laughs> but you know, and and you, you get the point. Like you start a, a, a line of of something at one end, and by the end, by the time it gets to the end of of the line, it's it's changed and morphed. And then that's not necessarily what happens. What I'm saying happens here, but. You know, really, w- what's happened in, in history throughout the years up until modern times is that the big points, you know, stand. And of course, then there were those who would just, they don't care about accuracy about it. They would change the story in order to, you know, if they're the ones in power and they wanted to tell history from their point of view. And I mean, I guess that's kind of what's happened throughout the history of the world. So yeah. if you're in charge, you get to say what, what happened and. That's that. <laughs> that, 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 is that. Um, and it's kind of fun. It's like when I think of even like the the Bible reports, you have essentially what comes later. I mean, really, it's a minority report if you think about it. Because yeah. um, it's not until really the powers that be didn't even like yeah. theirs. And so it laid rest in probably hidden caves for a while until yeah. people came back from captivity, opened it up and go, oh, my goodness, this yeah. happened. Right. 
But I, I think of that. I, I mean, all history, really the idea, I think, of a, a complete and unbiased account of history is kind of an impossible task when you think yeah. about it. Because um, we tell stories and we remember things mm. not because we just want to know what happened, but their significance. Yeah. That, that's just a, that's, that's actually kind of the point of history. Sure. Um, yeah. And there is an, there's, there's a certain interpretive element in that. Um, and I don't think you can get around it. And so, you know, I think Scripture is a good example. When you read the narratives, it is, it's a prophetic retelling of history. It's sure. one of the reasons I love that, like, the Tanakh order, <clears throat> yeah. so the Hebrew ordering of, of the uh, Old Testament. The prophets are Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, mm. things that we would typically label as narrative, which they are. Yeah. They're, they're thought of as prophets, though, and that there's this sense of... Mm. There's this story is not being retold just to tell you exactly what happened, yeah. but to give you some sort of significance mm-hmm. um, and God's perspective on what was unfolding. And so in the same way, I think when we as humans yeah. tell a history um, or when people – even I think about this with my wife, like when we tell a story mm. about how we met, yeah. um, we probably don't include every detail um, – Right. We probably adapt it to our audience in some sense. <laughs> sure. Like events that were probably separate might be merged. Yeah. And we're not trying to like lie or like give a right. a false account of what happened, right. uh, but help people understand the importance and the significance that led us to where we are in our marriage mm-hmm. or whatever. And so I, I just I think that that's something in whenever we remember or account something is a, yeah. is a reality. Right. Um, and so I'm thankful for guys like Herodotus here who mm. like would investigate and make sure things are rooted in reality but like you said yeah. even in his day as he did that um, he had to select and decide what stories that he was hearing were right and, and good and, and and put those together and some again he had contemporaries that felt like he was uh, just making stuff up yeah Right, that's part. It's, yeah. it's part of storytelling. But I, so it it's is. like I think that's a, that's good to to remember that history is more more than is about more than just trying to get what happened, but really trying yeah. to for us as humans process what was the significance of that mm. and um, what what is its meaning for us moving forward. How does it help us to interpret where we're where we're at? Yeah. One of my favorite. I quotes, think so. Right, history teaches us that man learns nothing from history. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Anyway, Baldy the week. Yeah. So for all our historians out there, thank you for what you do for help us trying to make sense of the world in which we live. We, we uh, tip a cap to you. Boom. National celebration June thirteen, which is today. We're pretending we're in the future. Um, because I'm actually on the road right now, or working in South Dakota. <laughs> Hope you're having a good time. Uh, it's a good time. It's National Sewing Machine Day. Hmm. So do the names Elias Howell or Isaac Singer mean anything to you? If you've ever taken a home ec course, or even worn clothes for that matter, they should. Okay. Those two gentlemen are credited with the invention of the modern sewing machine. While the wheel, telephone, and personal computer get a lot of glory for changing how humans live, the sewing machine is somewhat of an unsung hero. Without it, however, we, uh, we'd still be squinting to the thread, uh, thread needles and stitching together our shirts and suits by hand. Whether you want a simple set of curtains to block out the bright sun or just aren't satisfied by shopping off the rack, sewing machines are handy appliances that deserve accolades. Dream up some custom couture or celebrate National 
Sewing Machine Day this June 13. So I thought for this, you know, in every church I've ever been in, sewing machines are kind of a thing. Yes. And I thought we should talk about how the Holy Spirit uses sewing machines in our churches to do God's work through the church. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I was was a little... He's preoccupied. He's got a phone call. There we go. He is texting. That's right. (laughs) During the podcast. (laughs) This is how important he thinks this conversation is. I tell you. It's my wife. (laughs) Okay. He gets a pass. Okay. How have you seen... Was that your question? How have you seen the Holy Spirit use use sewing machines to do God's work in and through the church? That's it. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good <laughs> that is a, that is a good question. Um, uh, so well, right now at the at the church, I guess we, they're not really. We we would say that uh, sewing machine can either be like a sewing like like a machine, or it could be. An individual with like a hook, you know, doing yarn sure. and stuff like that. So at the church, we have a group that just started up called Prayerfully Created, and mm-hmm. they are making blankets and and things like that um, for people who are going through difficult times. Prayer shawls, um, uh, these little hand. I don't know what. Anyways, they all, all all sorts of different sizes of fabric pieces. Is it like sensory? Yeah, for, I think it's kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah just anybody that's just needing to have something soft. Yeah. to have in their lap. So um, so that's a ministry that just got start, restarted back up by uh, D.D. Kilgore, uh, whose pastor, Scott, was the senior pastor here at, at Wyatt Park um, for close to 25 years. So, um, But then, uh, like, I've been in a number of churches who have had uh, quilting guilds, and so they, they usually it was, it was a bunch of retired ladies and with maybe one or two you know, stay-at-home uh, moms that would be able to make it as well, that they gave away their work to different organizations in the community, such as like a pregnancy resource center. Mm. Here in St. Joe, there's a group called the Peace the Peace Corps, and it's instead of P-E-A-C-E, it's P-I-E-C-E. So creative. They so always have the best names, <laughs> too. <laughs> what is it about the, the quilting guilds? They do have the best. They love their puns. Yeah, there was one in Junction City at the Methodist Church called Nimble Fingers. That, that was their name. But nice. So the Peace Corps found out about our the bed-making ministry yeah. that we help out with here in St. Joe. And so part of what they do is they donate some of their quilts to, to us mm. so that when kids get a new bed here in St. Joe, they're not just getting a generic comforter, you know, uh, which any comforter would be fine for any kid that doesn't have anything, but how much more special is it that these hands of these ladies have spent months, Mm. you know, putting these things together and uh, with their own creativity. So that's a few few examples. That's that's really cool. When we walked in that one day and Tanya had all those stacks of quilts that were just beautiful. I'm like, (laughs) those are... Handcrafter. We had a group that did a similar thing um, up in Spokane. And uh, so one of the things they would do is make for every new child mm. that was born in the church, oh, they yeah. made a quilt Love it. for that. So and cool. then they did a lot of other ones that went to uh, people in need. And I don't know, they're just beautiful. Yep. And so yep. for my boys, I think we still have uh, those at home. And uh, Very cool. I need to get them up on display or something. Mm. But... Uh, yeah, they're just beautiful handcrafted work. Tanya yeah. just did one herself, didn't she? She did, yeah. So she took a bunch of old fabric that back when we were making masks and stuff, yeah. know, oh, she yeah. was making masks. And so now that we're out of that phase, 
she's used that material to make a make a new quilt. I saw Sporky yeah. from um, the Toy Story. Oh, and one of the panels. <laughs> okay, that was my favorite panel. Nice. Yeah, I saw. yeah. Well, so then you got like people who make costumes for you know some churches do dramatic oh, yeah. arts. Of course, we've got the uh, the the Christmas tableau that somebody took some time. Mm doing the costumes for that and so yeah there's all sorts of different ways that those skills can come in and help out a church or um you know for for a lot of us when you need something done with some clothes if that needs some tailoring or some sewing most modern families don't have the skills to do that at home and so if you know someone in your church who is is good at doing that enjoys doing that it's probably best to contact them and say hey would you be willing to do this for us than to take it to a local place? And, and I mean, I encourage supporting small businesses as well, but especially when it's in the church and there's people who have skills and some people who really would just be thrilled to be able to do some, some tailoring or some sewing, you know, cause those the people that I know who sew, they love doing it. They love doing, they it. Love doing it. So we had, um, uh, it was the so children's ministry director, his his wife uh, up in Spokane, uh, Ange was pretty awesome. She mm. loved a quilt, yeah. But she finally got one of those long arm ones, like oh. took up a whole room oh. in their basement. It oh, was wow. sweet. So like she could Make really do things. some like, yeah, quilts real fast, but also do some like incredible patterns and stuff mm. on it. That's awesome. Um, but she, yeah, she was pretty amazing. I love that, it. So that thing was like. It opened my eyes to like I think of a sewing machine as yeah. like one of those like maybe you get the the foot going oh yeah like uh-huh. old version and I realized like <laughs> yeah like they things are a little more fancy there nowadays. is a spectrum that's <laughs> yeah. true and she had a pretty awesome one so yeah. uh, again I I would imagine Paul yeah. when he was you know tent making tent making would have appreciated having one mm. yeah could have spent a little more time preaching the gospel actually he probably did plenty of that but yeah as he was making tents sure, sure whoever he was working with he was just telling but, him about Jesus. So there you go. Very cool. Sewing machine. Change the world, folks. Yeah. I know. Give it some credit. We think of the internet. That's right. Never talk about the sewing machine. Yeah. This day in history. I loved this one. June 13, 1920. The U.S. Post Office says children cannot be sent by parcel post after various instances of people trying to do that. Wow. Would you mail your child to save money? Um, I'm trying to think back. In 1920, about maybe some <laughs> circumstances that might have maybe necessitated that, I would. I don't want to say. I don't want to say never because mm. maybe there's a situation that would have ar- arisen in my life that would have been like, man, this is the only way to take care of the mm. situation. But currently, I don't think so. <laughs> Dude, I would put Ace in a box so fast. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Stuff that get in there, tape it shut. <laughs> Ship it, <laughs> dude. He would be taking more trips to Arizona and back <laughs> if we could pull this off. Oh gosh, that's <laughs> my mom and dad would be like, "Oh, what's in this package?" We were expecting another week yeah, with yeah. this child. Once um, you see, once you see a box with holes poked in it, then you're like, "Ah, uh, Ace is back. <laughs> He's back." Ah, <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. Um, I don't know. So this is yeah. one of those things where, like, I read this and I'm like, people did this. Yeah. Are you like for right. real? Right. So I've got a question. Okay. Is there something that we do today that you think we'll look back on and go, I can't believe people did this? Like mm. people a hundred years from now. Yeah. We'll be like, what were they thinking? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Maybe the uh, being. Uh, so more and more dependent on 
on technology mm. and AI and stuff like that. Because at some point, that's going to let us down. <laughs> at yeah. some point, it's like there's going to be like a worldwide crash. Mm-hmm. It's only a matter of time yeah. know, until somebody wants to take out the system of another country's infrastructure and how easy that could be for someone who wants to do it. And then because our lives are run on all of that stuff. It's interesting. We've got the generation past looking at us going, shaking their heads. And you think the generation from the future will also do the same? I would think so. You're probably onto something. Yeah. I think of uh, Wally. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Right. Are we going to go that far down that road? Yeah. And at some point, yeah, it's going to be like we're. It's almost like we're giving up our some piece of our humanity. Yeah. Sure. And maybe another one that's probably a little more of a of a of a sticky hot topic Mm. um, is the sort of the the giving of of puberty blocking drugs. Oh yeah. To kids and and parents basically letting their kids make those decisions at such an early age. Um, like I said, that's, that's one that, you know, has, has become a controversial, but Missouri, I think just signed a a law, I think yesterday, Mm. um, banning, banning that. And, you know, and I I say that because, I mean, there are people who have transitioned, um, Mm. who have as adults who are sounding the alarm on that. And so I think that's, that's one thing for sure where, um, we're already starting to look back mm. and see that there's been some some incredible damage done uh, to, to young people who they were going through changes in their bodies like like everybody else mm. you know who who has lived who goes through puberty and has who, who which of us hasn't felt uncomfortable in our body mm. from time yeah. to, I mean I feel uncomfortable in my body right now you yeah. know? so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's why exercise <laughs> or, or don't or, or eat. Or, <laughs> so, and I, you know, I don't say that to be to be to be rude to to anyone, but um, you know, the the, the fact is, parents ha- have less and less control and say and authority over their kids today, and I think we're we're seeing more of the fruits yeah. of that in the schools and in society, um, and so when the kids go to school. Um, parents or teachers have no no legs. They have no mm. authority whatsoever because when the kids go home, they don't even respect their own parents. So how are they going to respect yeah. their teachers? So um, so I think that's that's something we'll look back on. And like I said, we already are. And yeah, I think that's a and you're right there. But there's this undergirding idea that I think you're you're touching upon. And again, that's maybe like an extreme version of something that's even yeah. more foundational that I think we yeah. all adopt in some way. And that's that that idea of hyper individualism yeah. and that we yeah. should shouldn't that people should just be able to like in isolation from yeah. one another decide what's good for them and i just don't know that that like that's not good for us as humans right. and for most of the course of human history we've been much more communal tribal societies mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. hopefully yeah. that's something that will kind of recapture and rediscover and i know that's kind of a more western thing sure but i think it's becoming more Again, just through the internet, it spreads to to more and more of humanity. And I think, again, some cultures see that for what it is from the outset, but others have, have also kind of adopted that. And I think we're going to sure. look back and go, yeah. that, wasn't, that wasn't good for us yeah. as humans in yeah, general. Yeah, right. And, it, and it's sad. I mean, that that's it's a part of life is that we um, – <laughs> the quote that you said, what is it? What, what we learned from oh, history yeah, is that man, we rarely we, learned from history. history right, right. right. And, and so – um, sadly, yeah, by the time that we do 
uh, notice something's gone awry. It's it's the damage has already been done, mm. you know. But hopefully we'll have sense enough. And this kind of goes back to our podcast discussion last week in in the Brave New World and yeah. the and Orwell's nineteen eighty four. Um, hopefully we will have have sense enough to um, to to be aware. Um, and not so, and I probably more specifically with the Brave New World one, mm. where Huxley talks about where it's it's not necessarily the outside forces per se that are the the threat, but it's like it's inner, it's mm. it's our own inability, and um, we we just don't have the desire uh, to um, really think, f- mm. you know, ab- about things, think through things, and say yeah. what what will be the consequences of this. Um, you know, so and like TikTok right now. I mean, that's like, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, you think about how that was released, and you have this whole generation who is. I mean, that it's a drug. Yeah. It's it's a drug, and just like Facebook and and other things are, um, but it, it's got such a wrap around us. And if we would have understood the potentials of what social media has done hmm. would we have gone this far into it but again it's like 2020 is hindsight the question is what are we going to do about it about it now yeah. you know and it's interesting like the so i've been doing some study in proverbs with some of the the um, youth students and the the whole premise of god's wisdom is it's funny it's not god it's not god speaking yeah it's actually like a father. Mm. The first nine chapters is like all these speeches from a father to a son, yeah. like pleading, yeah. like listen, listen to my words, That's listen to your great. mother's instruction. Mm. Um, that this idea of how you find God's wisdom is actually just listening to those who lived a little life and went before you yeah. and got beat up. And it's it's very interesting. We live in a culture where mm. things that are old, like again with technology, new is typically better. Yeah. Um, again, you got some people who like to antique or like sure. to, like that sort of thing. But <laughs> right, right. for the for the for the most part, like the biblical depiction of what wisdom is 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 listening to those who walked with God and went before you. Yeah. And that's just something that I think our culture is trying to undermine constantly is just the basic concept. Yeah. Um, and that's that's tough. Yeah, it is. So it is. I don't know. Listen to some old folks. They went through some things. I think that's, especially the <laughs> generation that's passing away. Yeah. Um, the World War II generation that is, is quickly passing away. But then, you know, then we've got the generation underneath. I don't know what, I guess that would be kind of the older Gen Xers, really. Yeah. Um, so you got the boomers and then the Gen Xers. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And then also understand they did things like male children. <laughs> So let that become a factor yeah. too. I, I mean, guess. don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I'd like to, yeah, see what necessitated that. But oh so. man, I, I, a lot of I, a lot of what I was reading was just it was cheaper. Interesting. They just give them a train ticket. <laughs> dime. And I guess it was you were riding on a horse. I guess you weren't necessarily shoving them in a box in the bottom of a plane. Maybe I don't know. Some yeah. people might enjoy a little horse ride. Anyways, I just love that they had to do it. They had to outlaw that. It's just funny to me. Awesome. Um, all right, so you preached, or will preach, we'll depending preach, on preach, you. We'll preach, yeah. We're gonna pretend that you preached That's it already. Right. Here we go. <clears throat> uh, you're, you're. This is our mixtape series, and you're doing a sermon called Identity Crisis. Identity Crisis. Uh, 
And so um, yeah. I had some questions here that I'll get to actually. Yeah, but sure. first, I thought you just lay out. You gave us four four ideas that answer the question, "Who am I?" Yeah. And I thought they were incredibly valuable. And so I thought maybe you just want to mm-hmm. walk through. If I, as a Christian, am asking the question, "Who am I?" Yeah. What are some th- ways I could answer that? Yeah. I think one of the issues to uh, people being insecure with with their identity or searching after something beyond themselves or trying to change their identity in whatever, um, or people who lean into their identity too strong that's mm. that's outside of um, really the identity that I would say Christians need to uh, lean into more and and really have deep roots in would be I would say these four things over and above who I am as a, as a Royals fan or a Chiefs fan sure. or as a, a moderate independent <laughs> right. yeah. or, uh, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of, as a K-State fan, uh, uh, all sorts of identities that we carry and not all of them are bad. You know, many of them can, can be useful in the source of, of community. But when we are, when we put those ahead of who we are as, as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, then we have very little, um, capacity to see where we might have gone too far with something mm. or taken on a part of an identity that's just unhelpful uh, mm. as, as a Christian, you know? So um, the four, I kind of started off with the, the first one and asking the question, who am I? And I'd say first and foremost, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm mm. 139 verses 13 through 14. And this, and this kind of goes back also, cause I know we've had people talk about, um, ask about the, the abortion you know, issue and stuff that came up last year and this year, talking about um, the sanctity of life, <clears throat> and I, I'm I'm a firm believer um, that that life in the womb at any stage is 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 a gift from God. It's it's a um, it's something that we ought to take seriously as humans and not be so flippant about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I also understand that there are situations and circumstances that are horrific that a woman might go through that I have no idea about. But mm. I think it's important for we we ought to be more grounded in the truth that all humans, whether they are like me, whether they believe like me, whether they are male or female, whether they're a Chiefs fan or a Broncos fan, um, Democrat, Republican, um, that first and foremost, we, we, we were created by God. And because just that alone, there, there's value to that right there, just mm. value of being made in the image of God. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's really important for us. Because I think when we forget that, then it's easy to treat people who are different than us um, with, with contempt. Or, or hate or... Yeah. And I don't know if I was talking to you or somebody else about this, but uh, Preston Sprinkle just had Carmen Iams on not too long ago yes. about yeah. her new book yeah. um, called Being the Image of God. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our language sometimes is that we bear the image of God. Mm-hmm. And she went, she's kind of going after that saying, no, it's like if you're human, yeah. you are the image are. of God. Yeah. It's not some yeah. part of your like rationality. Right. And the importance of that is that, again, like you're saying... Whether it's an unborn child, whether it's someone of any ethnicity, whether it's yeah. someone who's got um, cognitive yeah. uh, issues, right. none of those yeah. things diminish yeah. the reality that you are the image of God. Yeah. That as a human, no matter what, you have right. equal dignity, value, and worth. Right. Um, and I think that's hugely significant. And sure. so I just I felt like that subtle use of language. Mm. 
that as humans we 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 be we are the image. Yeah. So being the image of God versus bearing it as though it's something external or something that we could sure. add or diminish in any way. Yeah. Um, and that's so that's huge. And it's like you said, yeah. that goes back to this idea that. Um, every every human was beautifully, mm. wonderfully crafted, as Psalm one thirty yeah, says. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, uh, you know, last night in in my Bible study, Wednesday night Bible study, we talked about Genesis chapter one and and chapter two a little bit. And I asked them, what does it mean that we're made in the image of God? You know, does that mean that God has fingers and you know <laughs> ten fingers and ten toes and hair and a beard or whatever? And, and we all agreed, no, that it's it's more, um, first, God created us out of a sense of purity and innocence that, yes, along mm. the way we've lost that, but that was still the original intent that we're, mm. that's going to be restored someday. Uh, but then we also talked about um, we, we reflect the image of God by what we do relationally, um, by um, multiplying, um, by, by building, by creating ourselves, being little creators ourselves, mm. you know, uh, having dominion over the earth, stewarding the earth, mm. as we would say. So, um, so I think that's incredible. Hopefully that would be incredibly important for folks to, and I think most people would probably at least give lip service to that, <laughs> that idea that sure. we are, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made, but we betray that often in, in all sorts of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the second identity statement of who am I, uh, I think this is important is I am prone to wander as, as, as humans, right? I mean, and that's, we see that in Genesis. We see that in the garden, um, like Adam and Eve, we love playing hide and go seek with God. And mm. we, we might call it sin. We might call it rebellious, uh, rebelliousness, um, asserting our wisdom above God's wisdom. Mm. And, uh, and so I think that's important for, for all of us to say, I, right. I am mm. a sinner because it's, it's more, it's easier for me when talking about sin, to talk about your sin. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right? Right. So I think we can get a, a maybe more of a, a humble outlook towards others who, who sin if we first own the fact that, that I am prone to wander. I don't see the big picture all the time. I need God's grace just the same as someone else, whether mm. they're in church, whether they're outside of church, whether they're a Christian or an atheist. And so I think... Christians would be a little more winsome in in our um, in our witness. Sure. If if we held ourselves, um, if if we had more of a, a humility that went along those lines, mm. um, that I am prone to wander. I am prone to wander, and I do wander. And even though I'm a Christian now and I profess Jesus now, there's day I take a little day trip here and <laughs> you know and kind of wander away, and I have to be pulled back in. I have to be sure. reined back in, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Oftentimes, like hey. Hey, you've gone too far. Uh, you know, turn back around, come back home. You know, right? And uh, so I think that's that's an important part of our identity. And some might say, "Man, that's not very positive." It's not, but it's a part of the human experience. <laughs> and so to gloss over that, sure, absolutely, know, is, is not helpful for anybody. I mean, the king, the kingdom language can be helpful because again, you're you're because God created you, like you said, right? You've been you you have this position yeah. as His image, right? Um, at, princes and princesses mm. and at the same time mm-hmm. because of the rebellion in in the garden we've been apprehended by dark spiritual powers yeah. and we're like you said we're living and for those of us who come after that born really into the kingdom of darkness whether we feel like we always are part of that or not yeah. and until we're set free that's just a, it's a reality yeah for sure and again yes. you know, right we don't we don't start right. to change those things if we're not and again if we're not point, p- 
pointing to that, then we're not going to rightly identify what's going on both internally and externally and how we fit in the world and and live into what is hopefully our Mm. our true identity if we don't acknowledge that reality. I like that. That's good. That's good. So we are prone to wander. The the third one, who am I? I am forgiven. So that's Mm. number three. And I think that's important. Um, Thinking back to ancient peoples and their understanding of God and and forgiveness, and even with with the Jewish, uh, you know, in in the First Testament, Mm -hmm. I mean, you had this system of of sacrifices, and so God revealed himself through that system, and even when Jesus died on the cross, um, you know, he died as the lamb who takes away the sin of the Mm -hmm. world, and so there's this idea baked into the system, into Christianity, that um, what what Jesus did on the cross is that once-for-all payment. Mm-hmm. And so there are no more sacrifices to be made on our behalf, even though that's not something that... I mean, there are people, groups around the world that probably still do sacrifices sure. um, in different places, but by and large, that's not as much of a thing. But there are those who... Um, basically because they know they feel the weight of their mm. sin and their guilt um, they hide they run harden their hearts I've been there I've done that myself and so the idea if, if we could really proclaim that message and if people would take that to heart to understand that there's nothing that you can do to appease God on your like there's no action you can take no sacrifice that you can do and just just believe and trust. Mm that what Jesus did on the cross is enough. Um, I think that's that's a pretty big, that's pretty freeing right there. I mean, it should wipe away a big big weight and load that we carry around. In well, our minds. yeah, <laughs> it sets us free from having to do something, right? Mm-hmm. It's, again, it's, it's not, our identity is not based on how we perform. Mm-hmm. Um, that forgiven peace really allows us to step into that reality. Yeah. Um, another word the Bible uses right is redeemed. Yeah. I like that because it. I, I, I keep. I, yeah. I was reading Psalm 107 again. We talked about it before, but <laughs> sure. that, again, you, you picked up on the wander. We're prone to wander. Yeah. It's like he brings that person home. Yeah. Another image that they use in that is that as the prisoner whose chains have been broken and, and mm. set free yeah. uh, from prison. So I, both the I think internally and externally, as far as dark spiritual powers, and that's just a powerful reality yeah. to to step into to go. It's not dependent on me finding my way back or me getting the chains off of me. I've got yeah. someone who's who's actually gone out and rescued me right. or set me free yeah. from bondage. And then living into that identity. That's true about me now. Yeah. You know, that's and that's that's our message to to people now is Christ has done the work and now all you have to do is is change your thinking. That's mm-hmm. repent. Change your mind. God's not against you, he's for you. And so turn to him and go towards him. Uh, and so I, for the second point about um, prone to wander, I used Romans 7, mm-hmm. just a short passage, yeah. you know, where Paul says, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things that I do want to do, I don't. That, that's the human experience. Can't, yeah, can't right? muster it up. <laughs> and so then for, for point three, I am forgiven, then it goes into Romans 8. Yeah. After he says, what a wretched man am I mm. who will save me from this body of death? Mm. And then he kind of switches on oh there is there is a solution Mm -hmm. thanks be to god because therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus no condemnation we don't believe that no we don't most people don't believe i mean and that's what we we will speak more on that speak more i I love that yeah yeah, we don't like i it's so funny like we'll trust jesus to forgive our sins and get us to again heaven or whatever it is yeah um 
But I just watch mm. people who, who will profess that yeah. to be true, sure. walk around guilt-laden yeah. all the time because sure. they made a decision, yelled at their kids, uh, you know, looked at pornography or whatever it is. And those things, again, yeah. we should repent. Sure. But, like, I don't think we understand that, like, if we will repent, it's like, yeah. fr- like you said, freely so forgiven free. and there's not yeah. that condemnation. Right. And it's right. just, it's it's hard for people, they'll accept that at the beginning, mm. But to live yeah. it out regularly throughout the Christian life is just something I, I've yeah. watched in pastoral ministry. People really struggle with. I think so too. Yeah, you're right, hundred percent. And that's why that's why we avoid repentance. We avoid like the prodigal son. Mm. Like we just stay in in in, in the pig slop mm. instead of returning home, thinking, well, God's not going to invite me back this time. Mm. He's not going to. It's like the father's always. I mean, and and he's he's always going to be looking for that lost sheep. You know, and so and the rest of the church, we need to not be the older brother. Okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So when people do, come so when home. they come back for the tenth time <laughs> or the first time or however many times, amen. Be there with open arms. Mm. Um, so that's I am forgiven. I think that's huge. And then finally, the uh, last one is is I am a I am a child of God. And I use and I continue going on into Romans eight, mm. where Paul says that um, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you have received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Mm. And so I talk about, um, I share a little bit about the temptation, just very shortly, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness comes after his baptism, and mm. the voice of God says, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Mm. And the first two temptations from Satan in the desert start with, if you are the son of God. you mm. know. And so you think back to how much Jesus depended on his identity as God's son, like that was enough for him in the desert. You know, the word, the very words of God for him in desert were more important than food to his physical mm-hmm. body, you know? And so as Satan's trying to get him to think about or doubt who he was as God's beloved son, it was that truth mm-hmm. that that was his sustenance through the temptation, through the wilderness, through the desert. And so, um, so I kind of point to that as, you know, if, if we can make that, we are not the son, we are sons and daughters of, of mm-hmm. God because of Jesus, the first the first son, you know, the one who brings many sons to glory. Um, it's kind of like the Little Mermaid you are telling me about. You went and saw the remake. Yeah. That challenge to just distrust uh-huh. the dad. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot to that movie, but like I'm just like now now yeah. it's unraveling. Like, sure. Okay, you Think do that, that, yeah, and then all of a sudden you're wanting to like again, yeah, shed your fins mm. for legs or whatever it might be. I don't know. Uh-huh. It's an interesting <laughs> sure. little concept, but, but it is like, it is yeah. that distr- this that that right. distrust of mm. who, whose child we are yeah. that will lead us to act out in a lot of different ways and. Again, that's the, what the serpent slithered in. Did mm-hmm. did God really say? Yeah, does right. He really have your best in mind? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he, and again, yeah. God restored us as His child. And I just I think of my my kids, um, the amount of blind trust that they give me mm. should probably I should probably multiply that toward my think my that. God. Yeah, God. that's a that's a good point because He deserves it. I I probably don't, but yeah. Um, yeah, they give me a lot of leeway just because I'm dad, right? And they yeah, know that they're I'm, they're my kids, yeah. so they can trust me. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that that preaches. I mean, but. yeah, and I, you know, I I I feel bad for for those who didn't have a good fatherly example, or sure. you know, or same thing on Mother's Day, you know. But at the end of the day, we can elevate God as 
the, the true example yeah. of what a good father is. And we, we know what a good father is by um, who, who we see God to be through the mm-hmm. scriptures and through the person of, of Jesus. So at the end of the message, I am going to, um, or I will, I, ha- I did. You did. I did. Say, who are you? And then have them repeat those those nice. four kind of ha- as a as a affirmation. Sure. So, church, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who That's are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, I'm fearfully wonderful made. I'm prone to wander. I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God. Mm. And so, I, th- I think these, I think th- those four I- identity statements can be helpful to somebody um, who has just seen something in their life go out of balance in one way or another sure. um, through other searchings, through other cravings, um, through cultural pressures, through, you know, any, anything. So if there's anyone that's listening to the podcast and, you know, you're struggling, going through a difficult time and you just need, you need to talk to someone, you want to pray with someone, um, whether it's Aaron or myself or Cindy or Tanya or, um, someone else in this church, or someone else that you know who who loves you, who um, who believes in in grace, who believes in the work of Jesus on the cross, I'd invite you to, to reach out to them and 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 know that um, you know just as you can run to your heavenly Father without shame, um, there's there's no shame for for you who come seeking and yeah. and come looking for 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 Jesus. So. What I love about all four of those is it challenges the cultural notion that to discover who I am, that I look in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. You know, it, no, what I need to do is look look up to God where yeah. he is because he's the one that, again, made me in his image. Right. He's the one whose who's standard I violated. Yeah. Right? The danger of looking in is that not everything mm-hmm. there is good. Yeah. And to acknowledge that is, is difficult for right. a culture that doesn't want to admit that. Right. Um, again, that he uh, that my standing is based on his work and his forgiveness, not my own. Yeah. And that uh, again, it's it's who he is as yeah. the King of Kings, as my right. Father in heaven, that yeah. gives me my identity. So it's, it's, it's all, it's all about, his it's, initiative. It, yeah, it's nothing that we we self actualize or work up to. Um, yeah, and, and I, I you know you had shared that with with the youth, um, yeah. you know, a few months last year sometime. And that was very helpful. Sort of these. It challenges navel gazing mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. to find our identity, right? Because yeah, that's not going to be a good place to look. Yeah, mm. I'm excited. So I, yeah, I, I mean, it was a, it was amazing. It was a great mess. <laughs> We're speaking that <laughs> out into right. the air. So if you it. didn't listen to it. You can go on YouTube. Surely, by the time you're listening to this now, it's been uploaded. So. Hopefully, I get internet on the road. I can kind of <laughs> stream the audio while we're in the, to it in, the, in the van. That's yeah. right. Everybody, be quiet. Ben's preaching. <laughs> yeah, probably can't drive with headphones. <laughs> probably frown on that. There you go. So, identity crisis, folks. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, coming up the week after, we're doing a lectionary podcast. Yeah. We're yeah. Do, we'll on do a live. You'll get a bonus podcast. That'll out be of fun. It. Yeah, that'll great. Be good times. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of good passages in there that. Yeah, be I thought so too. I'm looking forward to to talking about those. Um, yeah. things coming up this week. If uh, if it's if you're listening to this before Wednesday, um, PB and J six thirty. Yeah, six thirty at the church in the fireside room, and on the first PB and J, the pastor Ben and Jesus that we had uh, yesterday, I had nutter butter cookies for the peanut butter, and I had strawberry. Fig Newtons. Oh, nice for the peanut butter. It was go. like deconstructed PB and J, so people sophisticated individual you. That's right. That's that right. was amazing. Yes. Again, VBS will be happening uh, June nineteenth through twenty two. If you've got time and can come serve those, uh, those are in the evening. Um, contact Tanya. Let her know that you'd love to volunteer. 
And again, if you've got uh, a youth, middle school, or children, we've got summer camps coming up. Um, depending on their ages, will depend. The, the, we'll give you the week, but uh, yeah. all that information is on our website. On the website, yeah. yeah, and you can like register your kids like the day before. I mean, <laughs> they'll take them. <laughs> they will take your kids, and they will, and and they'll they'll treat them well. So they'll love them. Right. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Again, pray for us uh, as we make yes. our way back on Saturday. Um, and pray that I bring back all 17 teens and the other three adults as well. There you so go. Beware of the bears, folks. Grace and peace out. <laughs>